1: so welcome to the rhs gardening podcast houseplant special my name is matthew pottage and i'm the curator of rhs garden Wisley, and i absolutely love houseplants i think i've mentioned them a few times on here before and for a very, very special one off episode, I'm joined by, I want to call them the queens of houseplants. So, Anne Swithenbank from Gardener's Question Time and Jane Perrone from On the Ledge. And we're going to have a bit of a geek out talking about houseplants. So, yeah, this is the first of its kind. I, Going to call it a podcast swap, Jane. Over to you first. Can you explain to us about on the ledge and how that's going to merge with the RHS podcast today?
2: Well, it's a wonderful opportunity to have our listeners listen to a, another podcast. And my podcast is a weekly podcast about house plants that I've been making since February 2017, and it's basically just my excuse to talk about house plants because nobody else in my family is interested in hearing. <laughs> You've what got to talk on. to
1: somebody. So <laughs>
2: I just decided to start a podcast to provide an outlet for my conversations and also just as a way of being able to email somebody and say do you want to have a chat with me about giznery and actually have a reason to do it which is putting it out on the podcast so uh, it's just a personal passion that's turned into a bit of a an ongoing thing and i have great fun making it and it's also become a really nice community of listeners around sure. the world which sure. is great
1: it's really really good and then Anne I mean I see you as a bit of a there's a current trend in houseplants right now but I mean you've been your stalwart and a kind of a real champion of house plants for I want to say for years but you're now pulling faces at me because I'm borderline. <laughs> <but laughs> well, no, tens it, of is <laughs> it is
3: years years uh, it is years because I started to grow them when I was very young and uh, obviously I think I sort of became known as houseplant lady didn't I because of being a Wisley looking of after course, the previous busy, glass houses glass yeah. house supervisor and then subsequently going on to gardener's world when Jeff Hamilton was the presenter and going up to Rutland where he lived he really wasn't interested in houseplants so he was really really happy for me to take that over and I guess that's where I really got the sort of title of houseplant lady or houseplant queen.
1: <laughs> so we are going to start our bit of a journey into House plants. I asked you to do some homework, and I can see you've absolutely followed the request. We've got some beautiful bits of plant material on the table, and some very nice photographs on here. So, can you tell me, or can we talk a bit about a plant that inspired your interest into indoor plants? hopefully we'll see some images of it or, or I story. I haven't got on an image of
2: my one because this is just in the, my brain but the one that I wanted to talk about was in my doctor's surgery as a kid and I don't know if you remember there used to be, this is way back, and you used to have those coloured lights and it would like your light would for your doctor it would light up and it would go and then you'd be called in, you put your number up and Right next to that was this huge Swiss cheese plant, the Monstro Deliciosa, which is so trendy now. But this was like back in the day. This was late 1970s. And it was just huge and it was going everywhere. And there were aerial roots all over the place. And I don't think it probably got watered or repotted more than once in a blue moon. But I just remember sitting there waiting for my doctor's appointment, just looking at this plant and going what is it? What the hell is that? Where's that come from? Why is that in here? And that sparked fascination for me. And it took me quite a few years to get my first Swiss cheese plant, but it was something that sparked off that interest in indoor
1: plants. And they seem to, I mean, you do see them around in waiting rooms. I remember one in the old hospital foyer in my hometown. And because they you know, would normally grow up trees and be scaling up any kind of structure they don 't need massive pots, do they, so they can get enormous plants with a small pot roots everywhere, and as long as they 've got like a corner to lean up to or something they just keep going and if they 've got the ceiling room, the leaves get bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah
2: and, and I do wonder where, I things. do wonder with a lot of people who are buying these plants now and they 're buying them as dinky little you know two foot tall have any conception of what they 're letting themselves in for if they have this plant long term because They can get monstrously large, which is wonderful.
3: They're they're fantastic plants. And that's what's great about plants, though, isn't it? You get the small cutting or you get the small plant that's just coming fresh. And it's the character that it forms as it grows older that really fascinates me.
1: Yeah, and they get so characterful. Mm. But how about you, Anne? What was your early memory or inspired houseplant?
3: Back in the 60s, when I started to collect houseplants, that does make me sound very old, doesn't it? Most of them came to me as small pieces of succulents, cacti, pelagoniums, busy lizzies from other people's windowsills. Or they would hand me plants that they had bought and had nearly died. And that's how all my plants came to me. So I would get, I've brought along a picture of the candle cactus and you can see why it's called the candle cactus because it's sort of got all these candle-like sections it's a plant I still keep now it's not a very pretty plant it grows in the winter and my family absolutely love the plant we have and they always get it down at Christmas time from my windowsill because it's very celebratory it produces little flowers on long stalks that are like gransel and they turn into dandelions and Samantha (laughs) who is nearly 30 says to me, we need to get the dandelion plant down. (laughs) I love it. It looks like it's waving its dandelions. And so it's like a Christmas decoration that has to come down in the middle of winter and joins us, you know, in the sitting room for a few weeks and then it has to go back upstairs again. So I still grow it. But that, to me, it takes me right back. Things like the uh, Mexican hat plant. Uh, They were the sorts of things that circulated because we didn't have many places to go and buy them in a funny sort of way garden centres en masse hadn't been invented back then mm. it was florist shops and I'm people's private paintings. collections yeah,
1: yeah. yeah so trying to cast my mind back to early memory I spent a lot of time with my grandma who had a bee collection of pelargoniums and I was never as a kid that taken by lots of smelly leaves and all the red and pink flowers she grew them for the flowers and they just weren't very appealing to me. But I do remember this high up shelf in her greenhouse with these cacti on. And there's one cacti that I particularly was drawn to that I thought looked completely different from all the others. And eventually, years down the line, when she passed away, I managed to get hold of this cactus, which I identified as Ferrocactus emroyi. And it always reminded me of her. It wasn't in a very good state. It was nearly brown all the way up. And eventually I lost it. I was still quite a young kid at the time. But then I came across one a few years ago in a garden centre. It was just in a mixed cactus tray I was so delighted to see it again and I thought I will have that for my office windowsill at work because it was grandma that got me into plants and that will just be a little bit of you know my childhood memory so I wasn't going to bring it in on the tube because it's quite a fierce thing but there's an image of it I'm (laughs) sure you've seen them before But that lovely red spine and quite a bluey, grey body to it. I prefer succulents to cacti and I'm not into cacti that have loads and loads of masses of smaller spines. But something like that with the big fat red spines that are quite sparse. I don't know, I just find that quite visually appealing. Striking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you only need to like walk into it a couple of times and... I mean, my mum would never have wanted it in the house when I was younger, the grandma's one, because, you know, up north people have net curtains everywhere. It caused terrible problems (laughs) with the nets. It'd be stuck on everything. So, but, you know, down south it's fine because net curtains are illegal. So it sits (laughs) very happily on the windowsill and looks quite cool.
3: Talking about pelagonium, so I have brought a couple of bits because these are the ones that I make my famous pelargonium cake from. And I've oh, got and that is a nice one. That yeah, is this nice is one. easy to accommodate, isn't it? Because here we have crisp and variegated, which has tiny little leaves and it's lemon scented and quite dainty. Really, it's really dainty. Yeah, isn't it? and
1: I would I think if somebody saw that they'd almost think that's not a pelargonium, right? Because it's just it is different. And what we do and is crystallise the
3: leaves and use them on top of the cake as oh, decoration. Oh, that sounds very But the one that makes the scent or if you like the flavor inside the cake is radula and that's this one that's really kind of rose and so you can yeah, put that in good. the sugar and you can put that in the flour and you can bake the leaf into the cake and take it out before you ice it right and, and of course really the cake's just in your it.
1: bag down there for us to try
3: <laughs> you, sometimes i do that but i haven't done it this time no. sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> i look forward to sampling it it sounds one very day. very good so houseplants have really undergone a resurgence in popularity of late. Was your interest always fashionable? I'm looking over to you, Anne, I guess in the 60s when you started, was it? Everybody? No,
3: I was considered very odd. Yeah. For, for, for a small child and then yeah. a sort of growing up teenager to be interested yeah. in plants, and a school-aged child was considered very eccentric. Yeah. And everybody and I was interested in horses as well and all the natural world. And everybody said to my mother, Oh, she'll grow out of it, don't worry. You know, when she grows up, she'll be into boys and fashion and you know music and she'll grow yeah. out of it. But I never did, of course. It just got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I just collected more just and more estimated. and more. You can yeah. do all the other stuff as well, but yeah. you've got to keep your plants going. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, there was that awful slump, wasn't there? Somewhere in the middle of the 1990s and certainly by the time we had ground force, everybody was suddenly looking at their little gardens and outdoor rooms and got very involved in creating them instantly and buying trendy plants in pots and putting them in their gardens. And they seem to forget about the indoor plants. But I think if you're fascinated by the plants themselves and their characters and their origins, you'll never lose it. If you're using them to decorate your house, then it could come in and out of fashion. But if they are a real obsession, which the three of us can understand very well, then I think it will always be with you. It won't leave you.
1: And I'd like to think that all those that are being bitten by the bug at the moment, I mean, it will, as you say, there'll be a percentage that will move on, but there'll also be a percentage that I think actually become quite attached to their plants. And once you've had a, a plant for more, I think, than a few years, it really becomes part of the furniture, part of the house, and you've, you see it flower and you see it grow, and, and then it just becomes something that you don't just chuck out like a bunch of flowers. How about you, Jane?
2: Well, like Anne, I was into plants from a very young age. I guess quite luckily for me, the slumping house plants in the 90s coincided with me being at university and then doing a master's degree in the US. So that was a time when I didn't really have many plants anyway, because I was moving around and not in a permanent residence. Although there is a hilarious picture of me as a student, which I don't remember at all, but a picture of me with my housemates and we all, all got spider plants on our heads. So there must have been <laughs> plants in the house um, at some point. But, but then as soon as I got my own Place and started to become more settled. Then yes, the plants immediately came back in again. And in the last few years, I've just got more and more as things have been easier to get hold of. Apart yeah, from anything yeah, else, yeah. as a child, I mean, I used to buy a lot of plants, be given a lot of plants. Also, jumble sales got a lot of plants from jumble sales yeah, yeah. Um, and added to my collection that way. And obviously now it's got a lot more upscale. We've got sort of boutiques opening in every town and yeah, city yeah, yeah. selling house plants. But I also got into trying to grow houseplants from seed which is great fun as well and I try to sort of do that on the podcast every year and encourage people to give that a try because that's a really interesting experiment to get to know plants better.
1: Yeah I can so. imagine and just casting our minds back to when things weren't so fashionable I agree you kind of went anywhere where there may be houseplants and you kind of be looking for something slightly more unusual or different and then you'd always have like a few staples there'd always be a howie a palm and a, a yucca and a rubber plant but then now, because there is so much fashion and so much spend clearly in the house plant sector almost any good nursery you go into there's all manner of things i mean every time i go into the weasley plant center there's another new mother-in-law's tongue that i've not seen and i don't have and i just thought okay i can't keep collecting these (laughs) because i could just fill every office room you know in the building i'm in at weasley and my own house with mother-in-law's tongues now and it's just more and more appearing and it's exciting but at the same time it's like wow this is actually you know you can be absolutely inundated and
2: you know that fleshy succulent plants i can see why they're very attractive and there is in i'm always banging on it, and you've got it I and mean, this is why i'm looking at you very annoyed oh, no. in a very annoyed way i got a photo bantel of it sensation and you've got a photo of
1: it and, and, and got you're gonna torture me with it. I
2: say. this is the snake plant the sansevieria bantel sensation which is impossible to get apart from stealing it from matthew Posse. <laughs> uh, it's impossible to get in the uk the nearest i've seen is somebody an online shop in poland's got some it's very common in the u.s it's this very thin-leaved snake plant with silvery markings and stripes and it's very attractive I mean Matthew perhaps you can tell us more you've got one but I love this
1: plant it's really cool and I do like it because of the pure white variegation and there's some areas where it produces just all areas of white and you do get a bit of Dead tissue, as you can see there, but generally it's a really nice, well behaved. When
2: are we getting some uh, in the Wesley Plant Centre for me to come on by?
1: Yeah, I know. And everyone's <laughs> going to be asking them after this as well. <laughs> know, and the buyer won't be thanking me. It's really, really <laughs> slow. I mean, I got this years ago. I used to go to the Woking Cacti and Succulent Society meetings. Of course I did on a Saturday night and it was in the raffle and there was a lady there that was into her Sansevierias and it was just a small piece and you know what that's why I picked up quite a few unusual succulents Mm. where now people say to me where do I when I get that and I literally don't have an answer The British
3: Cactus and Succulents. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah,
1: wouldn't it just? Because, I mean, that is where you have a lot of specialist collections, and those people are normally very generous. And, Mm. you know, sometimes something might be rare, but it might not always be. Slow growing, like this particular Sansevieria, sometimes once you've got something, it bulks up quite quick and then Mm. you're happy to share it around, Mm. but it's just not about much. So, you know, those kind of specialist clubs are brilliant for material sharing. It's
2: it's interesting with that Bentel sensation because this is another plant that was fashionable in the i suppose the 70s snake Berry. plants yeah, Sansevier- yeah they were. and when i went to a tour of some dutch nursery glass houses there was a sansevieria grow and they had one specimen of that and i said can i have it please and they're <laughs> like no and i said well what happened to all this plant material and they said well you know as these plants faded in popularity snake plants and sansevierias became less popular all this plant material was kind of lost apart from a few people who were kind of still keeping the faith. And they're the ones now who've got this amazing resource, which is in yeah. demand.
1: Just stop with we mentioned about fashions on the snake plant or the Sansevieria being massive in the 70s. Just trying to map out some of the fashion moments with houseplants over the last few decades. So Sansevierias were massive. Rubber plants seemed to be quite big then, didn't they?
3: They were. And and a variety of ficus the weeping fig was too. Um,
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. And variegated forms of the rubber plants. But then also things like the banyan, ficus bengalensis. That you know, that used to crop up, especially in parks department nurse. Really? (laughs) And of course they grow well, all of them grow into huge trees in the wild. They want to get big. But they're quite happy to stay in pots too. And we used to have great fun air layering them for people. I remember on Gardeners World well, going to the house of someone who, I think they'd written into me when I used to write for the News of the World. And they'd said, you know, our house is being overtaken by this massive rubber plant and we love it and we don't know what to do. Can we prune it, you know, help? And so we went along with the cameras and I decided to air layer it for them. So I was tracing the stem tips back by about like 18 inches or so and then making a cut to damage the stem, putting some sphagnum moss in there i think it was in those days but you could use moist compost and just a little bag around it tied at each side so it had its own little rooting medium sort of at the right part of the plant and so we said well we'll do several of these and we'll just leave it and we'll come back in about two months and hopefully roots will have formed and in the meantime if you could just squirt a little bit of water in the bag to make sure it doesn't dry out so i went back they'd all rooted and so we cut them off and we potted them and we gave them three or four youngsters that had all rooted beautifully. Lovely story. And then I said, right, now you have these young ones, you must grow them on. And then you can keep one of them when it's really growing strongly, give the others away and then use it to get replace your old big plant. And I looked at their faces and I thought, they're not going to do it.
1: They're just going
3: to grow these as well, and I just compounded them.
1: Them. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, exactly. yeah.
3: So I, I should imagine that you know somewhere in the Midlands there's this house
1: that's
3: been totally you know, there'll little husks of people inside. <laughs> the strangler thing. Yeah. You needed
1: to go back in another two months' time when they went to supervise, and saw the yes, old one off at yeah. of level, and throw it out on the compost. And I think thing.
3: this is what people often don't get. It is the same plant. It's the same clone. Yeah, it yeah. is exactly the same plant when these big things get too big you can propagate them you can prune them and it's fine you can do it
1: and I also think when you have a lot of houseplants at home you don't always want it to be the dead and dying museum or the hospital windowsill and I must admit I'm quite ruthless if something doesn't look great or I think you know what this just really isn't doing it for me anymore, or it's got red spider mite. I don't fiddle around and have a special hospital corner. I do just throw things on the compost mm. heap because I'm, you know, I'm looking at them every day as well. I want to get enjoyment. I don't want to. The you know oh hey yeah, i rescued that from outside the shop and that got frosted and then oh and this always had this problem with it or oh yeah that got knocked off by the dog but it's going to grow back in two years time yeah it's just <laughs> like oh just enjoy I life a, i
2: think it's a british thing that you know i think on the continent there's there is more of an attitude like that but i think in britain you know i get people people email me in two categories category one is my plant is, is a bit poorly can you help and you look at the picture and it's a dead stick and yeah. you're know, like Just throw it away. (laughs) And then the other one is your plant's looking amazing and it's got one slightly damaged leaf. And oh my gosh, my plant's going to die. And you're like, well, no, it doesn't always look perfect. You are going to get some yellowing leaves, particularly at the bottom, as long as it's not all the leaves. So there's this kind of double thing that goes on where people hang on to things way beyond where they Mm. should, but also panic when normal things
3: that are just part of the cycle of life happen yeah. as well it's as if you saw these plants growing in the wild they'd be far from perfect yeah. would they? Yeah. Yeah. animals are yeah. taking chunks out of them and yeah. things yeah. fall on them they go through droughts yeah. so they're not perfect there
1: okay so we've done a bit of a trip down memory lane and talked about what was fashionable years ago but what is your current favorite what's really exciting you at the moment in your on your windowsill Anne, over to you first
3: is yes, I'm taking this as a literal question. In other words, it's not exciting me generally, because if I was going to go out with a shopping list, it might be different plants. But just looking around my own collection, what am I really looking at every day and thinking, I love you? I think, first of all, I'm going to go for Cymbidium. And I have a photograph here. One of my Cymbidiums producing its flower buds. And I think this nice. is almost more exciting than when they open. I mean, obviously, the flowers of a Cymbidium orchid are very beautiful. But that moment when they produce the bud to show that they're going to flower, to me, is the most exciting point. They're not the easiest of plants to accommodate because they like fairly cool conditions, so they don't like hot centrally heated rooms, and they produce quite a lot of tall, grassy foliage, I suppose. But you can put them outside for the summer, and in fact, if you let them feel a little bit of chill in the autumn, that is supposed to help them come in and bud up. The secret really is to give them the space in their pot for the pseudo bulbs, which are those bulb-like structures at the base that they produce to grow their leaves from, to get a sufficient size to support a flower bud. So a bit of repotting now and again will do that. And then also some liquid feeds, liquid fertiliser in the summer, a bit of high potash to keep them going. And if you do that... They will flower very well for you, and they're very, very easy orchid to grow. And when you have one in flower and you're displaying it, say on a hall table, your whole house gets sort of transformed. You know, it makes me feel like I live in a sort of palace when I've got a No,
1: it feels medium. like some Victorian palace, it does. right? They just have a class about they them somehow. They have a class, that's yeah, right. Yeah, and, and if, so there's that. And if you have a cooler house. It's a great which orchid, I do. isn't it? I yeah. can't
3: grow things like um, caladiums and anthuriums. They mm. just find it too cold. Yeah. In the night, the temperatures are dropping right down. Our house is a very chilly, badly insulated house, so we tend not to run the heating that much. Yeah. And uh, for cool plants, it's perfect, which is why I've also got a citrus. So I've got a lime. A, nice, a game. fruiting you know, one. Yeah, that. with quite nice green leaves. They require not too cold a winter if you get them too cold they'll stay alive but they go so dormant that they don't really grow and they're very slow to warm up and come into growth and they have to really start again every year but by the other side they don't want to be too hot either so you know normal centrally heated room is probably not for them they'll get too hot and dry but if you can get it just right like the temperature in my office They will remain healthy if you give them some high nitrogen feed in the summer, a general purpose feed in the winter, just to keep them ticking over. This is a lime, which I find the easiest to grow, the Tahiti lime. Really good, almost always producing flowers, which are scented, or fruits. And then when the fruits are ready, perfect for your gin and tonic.
1: And I think your feeding regime is interesting there because I mean, how often on GQT do we get I have an orange, I have a, a lemon, a lime and it's got intervenal chlorosis, yeah. i.e. the they're leaves hungry, are looking. Yellow. Hungry plants. Yeah, they're nearly always starved of yeah, something, aren't yeah. they? And you know, if I've got any criticism of the citrus plants, it can be they look really miserable if the potting mixes mm. right, or the feeding regime's not as it should tap be. Tap but...
3: water as well. I think we had a special on it on GQT fairly recently, and it was sort of a, drummed into us again that if you've got hard tap water, then you probably need ericaceous compost. Yeah. If your tap water is quite soft, then a fairly neutral compost will be fine. Yeah. So you have to think about that.
1: Yeah but looks like a cracking example. Mm. And how about you, Jane?
3: Well, I've brought... I'm not a great
2: begonia grower. I've killed a lot of begonias over the years, but there is one begonia that has done really well for me and has turned into a bit of a monster, and it's the beefsteak begonia. And I want to get the Latin right here. I think it's begonia erythrophyllum i mean it lives up to its name really it's got these huge chunky succulent leaves it's a rhizomatous begonia and it also produces really nice flowers so right now and those uh,
1: rhizomes the big thick creeping stems yeah, are almost at so, pot level aren't they
2: exactly so it's doing its thing now in flower and the flowers are really quite lovely flowers are enormous and look I mean, at the I mean undersides that, that's, as slightly, well as leaf. that's slightly a weird position to photograph it from because I'm kind of looking down on it but yeah the flowers are a good 50 centimeters tall so it's really quite a dramatic plant the most strangest thing about this and you can't see at all what it's planted into but it's planted into a melamine salad bowl with no drainage of course it is (laughs) now I am whacking on all the time on my podcast about drainage 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 but actually there are occasions when things just strangely work
1: yeah, without drainage I, i'm a big fan of novel containers and i never want drainage holes because i don't want to mess up the floor or the furniture it's just about careful yes. watering yes. it's just don't about careful watering. Is it the basis is yeah it, but that mean yeah. it's got a lovely glossy dark leaf the underside is absolutely mm. it's
2: bright red pillow
1: box red it's gorgeous yeah. so it's, it's a really, it's a really good one. one
2: that just came as a little plug plant from dibley's nursery in north wales who are big begonia growers and as i say most begonias are don't last more than a year with me because i find rex begonias tricky but this i find really easy i think because it likes the fact because i grow a lot of things cacti succulents and hoyers that i don't water a lot so i think it likes the fact that it doesn't get too much water yeah, and, and that... with those rhizomes it's probably just storing its resources in there yeah and uh relatively happy so that's pretty probably about two, three years old from being a tiny plug plant. So it's been good value.
1: And of course, if you want to see some of these pictures we're discussing and and our plants at home, we will actually be uploading these online so you can have a look. So if you head to rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast There'll be a link there and, of course, to Jane's On The Ledge podcast too. And you can share photos showing off your own stunning indoor displays, swap ideas or even ask our advice about your poorly or sick plants that are struggling – thoughts, comments, photos, share them with us via Twitter, or you can join in the conversations on Facebook or Instagram. Find us at the underscore RHS. And if you can tag them hashtag RHS podcast, we'll be able to find your posts even quicker. Right, my current favourite of the moment. Now, have either of you ladies seen this before? Yes, I have.
2: In oh. fact, I saw it yesterday at Edinburgh Botanic Gardens and I, we were rushing through this glass house and I was going, no, I've got to go and see that plant. And we <laughs> didn't have time. So um, I can never remember the Latin name. I think it might have changed.
1: Well, it has. So it's now Huperzia squarosa, but I think it was a lycopodium like before. And club moss is yes, its common club name. Moss. Even though it's not a true moss, but it's known as one of the club mosses. And it's a strange trailing... I think I'm attracted to it because I like monkey puzzle trees and it looks a bit conifer-like, but it also looks like a giant... Moss,
2: I think it looks like something out of Dr. Seuss, you know, yeah. that's something you'd see in a Dr. Seuss book. It's just, I want one, do yeah, you want one, I, I do want one. I've <laughs> heard it's quite hard though, Matthew. Well, i heard it's a little bit tricksy.
1: So, I heard that too, and I first saw it in James Wong's living room actually, up on this shelf, kind of out the way of the window. And I was like, What's that doing though? You just put that there for my visit because I hear these are a nightmare to grow. And he was like, No, they're really not that hard just grow it in like an orchid bark mix. It needs to be quite free draining and it can dry out between waterings. And he was like, no, there's little else to it. And I thought, okay, well, one day if I ever come across one. And then at the Wisley Flower Show, a chap selling air plants had a few of these on his stand. And I just thought, okay, this was meant to be. And two years later in a little hanging pot in my office window so north facing window it's actually above a radiator which it doesn't seem to be bothered about at all and i've just put it in an orchid bark mix we should warn people it. though
2: that this is quite hard to get hold of I've, I've had at least two listeners who've been contacting me going where can i get this plant i can't find it anywhere and i haven't been able to track it down anywhere so it's another one that you kind of have to go to a specialist plant show or yeah. at the moment i think the instagram effect is kicking in for this plant and yeah. Lots of people are seeking it. The nursery trade isn't able to react immediately to these spikes in demand in a mm. way that perhaps other industries can yeah. do a little bit faster. I think that's what makes
3: it so wonderful when you finally get one, isn't it? When oh, you really yes. wanted <laughs> like it, and you find reward. it. Yeah. 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 If yeah. it was easy to get one, you could just go down the road. It, would be, it wouldn't be well, quite exa- so amazing. Exactly,
1: it? yeah. And so, that's...
3: How would you propagate that then?
1: No idea. Absolutely no idea. I mean, it looks like something that, could maybe root from like a tip cutting. But there was a bit of a a mangled stem on it when I got it and I trimmed it back to try and tidy it up, this one stem, and he really didn't like that. It literally died back in a matter of weeks, back to the base. Mm. So I was like, won't be doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Spores then, maybe from spores. Yeah, well, I guess it would produce that but also it produces stems right from the base and it's forming like a bit of a crown in the pot so I guess with an older plant you might be able to split it and divide it as long as you can get root on it but it's something that I've not really dared to do anything further with but I think you know if you're at a flower show or plant sale and there's a a specialist with epiphytes or air plants or with it being like an, an epiphytic thing it's worth a look So we've got our cool plant selections and things we're into at the moment. How about displaying them and arranging them around the house? Pots on a windowsill. Everyone's been doing that for a long time. I decided to pull out the seat of an old chair and plant up a chair, which I have in my living room. Any oddities you guys have tried or things you've seen that you like, don't like? I find
2: that I'm go into this deep dive into instagram which drives me a little bit nuts because you see so many things they think i oh, would well, love to do that but i'm never going to do that i'm never going to make that elaborate display i'm a, quite terrified of hanging plants not only just the lack of diy skills that makes me think they're going to end up on my head smashing <laughs> down but also that i find it really difficult to remember to water stuff that's hanging up and inaccessible So I I go down this rabbit hole of looking at Instagram and coming up with all these great ideas and then realising that actually it's easier just to stick with what I've got. That said, the one thing I would really push, and you can't really see it in this picture, but it is true that combinations of different plants in the same pot can be quite fun and, and a good way of experimenting. So also in this begonia beefsteak, there is pussy ears which has been taken over but it was a nice idea when it started yeah. to have these furry leaves of that plant trailing with the begonia and you can just try those ex- different combinations i think is really fun to see what works having ground cover underneath yeah.
0: um, perhaps your dracaena yeah.
2: marginata mixing together different even just different colors of something like the phytonia the nerve plant and it's comes great in different isn't it? colors yeah. you can yeah. make a really fun terrarium or something like that yeah.
1: so. and actually i, I never like to see compost or any kind of growing medium in the top of a pot so i have something low growing like Futonia or i like to mulch with pine cones or every so often when i clean up my trachycarpus outside all like that coir mm. that comes off the stem that's actually really nice just to mulch the top of a pot rather than looking at compost and how about you Anne? do you have a full planted tea service
3: No, although I have have used little teacups for putting air plants in and so forth, you know, fill them with some pebbles or some shells and just balance the air plant in there. That looks quite neat. I have tried putting things together into bigger containers, but I generally find I get the balance wrong and I'll put something like a maranta in there, a prayer plant type, and it will just take over and squeeze everything (laughs) else out. But I think the most fun I have with plants is probably where it's not... Exactly inside the house, it's a porch where somebody's fitted some old kitchen top units along one side. And so that gives me the ability to do a bit of staging. And now staging is something we used to go in for a lot in the old whistly glass house and probably less so in the one you have now. Because we used to have lots of benches that were graveled and you could do all sorts of wonderful arrangements of plants. So they all juxtaposed. And uh, sometimes you'd raise some up at the back by standing them on upturned pots and you get all the shapes and sizes together. And I really enjoy doing that in there. And also it helps you when you're sort of constantly rearranging them to dead-leaf them and look for pests and just check them over yeah. and get, get them so that they're all sitting nicely with each other and they're all very happy, sort of living cheek by jowl. To yeah. me. That's quite nice. But I get what you're saying about not having bare tops. It's quite nice yeah. to grow things in there. Yeah,
1: and actually when you're talking about your staging, it's about bringing mm. things close together and then yeah. they set each other off and you don't have gaps, you don't see pots. It can look like a big... Quite full on display, but it's not so easy uh, to
3: do inside the house. That's more something for, say, a conservatory or a porch where you can set up a, a surface. Yeah, we've got a bit more space. Yeah.
1: But speaking of the Wizard Glass House and what you remember and what you think we might not do or do, we have quite a wacky display coming up. but that we're calling the the giant house plant takeover, which in our temperate house we are literally building a small house. You'd be able to walk in through the front doors, walk through the hallway, through into the living room, the bedroom, the kitchen and it will be like the inhabitants left the house years ago and the plants are literally taking over so there'll be plants growing out the furniture we've got a four-poster bed which has these living pineapple finials that were being planted <laughs> up the other day when i walked through we've got this gallery on one of the walls of all succulents planted up in picture frames it's so cool and fun. The team are having a lot of fun with it. There's a big chessboard, and all the chess pieces are actual small cacti. So just to really get people further inspired by houseplants and thinking outside the box a little bit, it's certainly not like the old school tiered displays of the old glass house, which I remember the trailing ivies on the benches mm-hmm. and things lined up beautifully in pots of uh, all grown to the same quality. We do still do a bit of that and it's fun. It's great. There's no right or wrong with it. It's just a different way of doing something Thing. There's also a huge stagshorn fern being lowered into a bath the other day when I walked through. <laughs> uh, so there's loads of really cool things and it's quite lighthearted. And that's running through the entire month of February. So do check that out in the Glass I'm House. I'm really
2: looking forward to seeing that. I'm going to get all over excited as usual and bounce around looking at that. I'm very excited. And I think it's going to be interesting for you to see whether you get a different clientele a different type of visitor coming to that because i know when i went to the houseplant festival at the garden museum last year it was like a rock concert there were people queuing for two hours to get into that event and it really made me realize just how much this current houseplant trend is just drawing in a whole new generation of people so i'm sure it'll be
1: popular i keep noticing on local the local bus where i am in fulham there's a garden center just down the road and so many people in their 20s carrying Variegated rubber plants, palms, yuccas—literally armfuls of houseplants in and out of that garden centre. It's great.
3: And is this house your particular brainchild? Or and
1: no, it came not? up through the glasshouse team. Actually, Did you? yeah, we Good always, for them. yeah, we always have a winter event of some description in the glasshouse. We like to mix it up. We've done tropical butterflies. We had Lego sculptures, and this kind of evolved one of the team was talking about having a giant terrarium and then bit by bit we've got to this idea of having this house so they've gone from doing these poncettia towers for the christmas displays now into planting picture frames moving baths around going antique shopping it's really really good fun so it's one of those things that i think maybe an old school perception of the rhs might be quite stuffy and serious but at the same time it's evolved so much and we can still have really great horticulture and good house plants and it can be a bit more tongue-in-cheek so that opens on the 25th of January and runs till the 1st of March and the full opening times of the glasshouse and the garden can be found on the website okay so moving along to plant problems and expert solutions what are the current plants and problems that are bothering your listeners on both GQT and on the ledge over to Jane
2: Oh, well, I mean, I think I've said earlier about, you know, there's always the question about what do I do about this dead stick, which is a fairly (laughs) simple answer. But also one of the things that is coming up a lot is where do I get this rare plant that everyone's after? And I've seen on Instagram that I must have. And when you say you can't get it, they can't quite compute that because... It's the internet. Sure, you can just click you go on the button, you can
1: get everything tomorrow. Right? Yeah. What's so the there's
2: this sort of lack of understanding sometimes, or just not awareness of how the lead times that nurseries are working to it was the case a few years ago with the chinese money plant the pancake plant however you like to describe it pilea peperomioides suddenly went through this explosion of interest and you know i had people on the show saying that they were paying you know 50 us dollars for a little tiny plant now everywhere's caught up it's being sold mass produced at places like ikea and trader joe's in the u.s which is kind of one of those mass sellers that demand has been met by the supply but sometimes people can't accept that you know a slow growing plant like that bantel sensation it's going to take an awfully long time yeah. for the supply
3: and demand to be equalized
2: yeah, if that makes yeah, yeah.
1: sense and how about gqt and what's a regular house plant conundrum
3: mealy bug turns up quite often mm. people yeah. don't always know what it is and they sometimes mistake it and they think they've got something like woolly aphid on their house plants, yeah, yeah. but um, it, my heart always sinks because it's not—it's just not an easy solution. Yes, is there it? Isn't. sometimes there isn't. you can prune out quite a lot of the mealy bug infested growth and try and treat the remainder? It's a little bug that looks a little—it looks like a small. How would you describe like it? a Small a wood louse, woodlouse. Woodlouse, really, white. a sort of pinky white color, yeah. and it surrounds itself with this sort of fuzzy mealy white. Material mm. uh, small ones creep around, and eventually you see these white blobs on your plants, and they're sucking sap, and also flicking honeydew onto lower leaves, so they're beginning to turn black with the growth of sooty mold. So it's not a great thing to have, and sometimes it's better to just cut your losses and get rid of the infected plants and start again. Yeah. And if you have a really, really lovely house plant collection, and some plants like the stapeliads, I'm interested in that are very prone to it. And you bring in a new plant, it's often best to put it in quarantine because within a two month period, that could actually sprout something nasty like that that would run through your entire rest yeah. of the collection. And
1: that's such a good tip. And mm-hmm. mealybug, I mean, people often say, where did the pest come from? And it normally, it's chances I it had it. You either didn't notice or it was at a very low level. And like you say, two months down the line, suddenly it, it erupts. Up. And once you have it, it is just a menace, it's isn't it? It's just Absolute difficult to
3: get rid of. You can though. try spraying at it with some of these sort of less toxic sprays and mm. some of them will work if you keep at it because you have to spray to break down the coating and then again to actually kill the bug. But the eggs always seem to hatch out and you have to keep watching and looking. Yeah. Um, then you can also get a biological control, which is a, a sort of ladybird-like creature, but it's not very efficient.
1: Okay, so to wrap up our house plant special, I wanted to ask you about future plants, blue sky plant thinking. So if money or location or rarity or anything and everything was available to you, what would your ideal dream plant or plant combination be? Surely a sea of Bantel sensation, Jane.
2: Obviously, yes. I Thousands. mean, it's, it's it's a it's a difficult one because there's so many options here. I, one of the options I was thinking of have you seen that skyscraper in Italy? I think it's called the Bosco Verticale, the skyscraper with all the trees on the balconies. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, like just one of those with trees everywhere and stuff inside that wouldn't that be amazing to live in one of those apartments the other option I think it would just be a really modern greenhouse or two really modern greenhouses one as my kind of front of house you know where I would theoretically relax with my absolutely tip top house plants and then another one for kind of production. I'm imagining it looks like have you ever been to that glass house, the Bombay Sapphire glass house. I've seen of,
1: pictures, yeah. I'm yeah.
2: thinking it might look something like that. I'm thinking, you know, two of those or yeah. perhaps a more traditional greenhouse for the back of house and then, you know, a fancy one. And I could do a flip between the two.
1: Sounds like a whole glass house complex. Sounds, <sighs> wow. sounds beautiful. Yeah. And it would
2: have to be separate from my house so that I could go and hide away and my family couldn't find me and yeah. <laughs> ah.
1: I'd I'd it it in. Yeah. Hide away with the barns. That sounds good. That sounds <laughs> yeah. very good. And Anne, you've oh. got some artistic drawings.
3: Yeah, but I think we're on the same page. Well, having been warned about this question and having had a three-hour train trip up down from Devon, <laughs> I was able to do a little sketch. And I didn't know what to sketch. I just thought, you know, just let my imagination flow. I started off drawing my office as it is, which is quite good. I cleared out it would and decorated it would be quite good because <laughs> it already is like a sort of private space outside in the garden in an old wooden building that sort of was tumbling down a bit. And so I sketched the bench and there's a little tripod with a huge phlebodium aureum, which is a kind of golden polypody fern. There's loads of rhizomes sticking out from it. And then I added a platycerium, the staghorn fern, oh, yeah. sort of, you know, on the wall. And then I moved round. And instead of all the sort of rubbish that's all over the furniture, I cleared all that away in my mind. And I made it museum-like with lots of old books and shells and skulls of birds and things like that. And there were there's a beautiful column a goldfish plant. And then I put in... The pothos that has the little silvery marks on its leaves. Skindapsis argyreas is very in at the moment. And then I had a kind of a, I don't know, a conservatory extension that was heated and I stuck in there a jade vine. So I added one of those and loads of Hoyas and a box of postcards because I collect them. And then I had my terrarium replanted. So there are pictures of knives and forks and spoons on long handles, ready for me to put plants in. And then I drew myself, sort of. I didn't put eyes and nose on because that was a bit weird. I just drew my <laughs> hair on my face and I stuck a little coronet with air plants on it around my oh, head.
1: <laughs> a little air plant crown. So crab. that's me.
3: I'm going to grow into a little old lady in a slightly improved office with masses of plants. Oh, and a big map on the wall oh. so I can see all the countries they come from.
1: Well, both of those are so creative and they sound like heavenly kind of places of relaxation and gorgeous plants. I was thinking much more low level and I was just thinking thinking i really want to get my hands on a variegated fiddle leaf fig the other thing i saw on instagram i don't know if you saw this my all-time favorite palm is Licuala grandis oh, which yes. i find impossible because it needs heat and humidity look at the variegated <gasps> oh yes. my
3: no, I mean I that's like, that. like
1: variegation porn at its best, isn't it? Mm, I that's mean I goodness knows where you'd get hold of it and I bet it'd be a nightmare to keep looking like that. The leaves of Licuala Grand is like pleated paper almost, like or fans, like a, aren't fans they? of like pleated yeah, or like a an old school pleated skirt and then all these white striations running through it. It's just when I saw that I was like, Oh MG and <laughs> it's, it's had I mean this was a while ago it, was, it had just gone out on Instagram it had already had over 4,000 likes and like I said I'm sure it's impossible but I'd be very happy with one of those so conclusion and looking forward where do we think things are going with houseplants do you think it'll be sustained what do you think is next uh, all the discussions about environment and just looking after our planet moving towards say, uh, peat free growing houseplants uh, what's, what's on the horizon Anne
3: I feel that there are so many people getting so passionate about houseplants, they are going to really take to them and want to keep growing them because of the fascination element and not just because they're decorative. And I also think that as the natural habitats of a lot of the plants are decreasing, we might end up... Preserving species because they've made successful house plants. There are already examples of that. I think a kind of cactus, grusoni. I the yeah, is yeah. unfortunately called mother-in-law's, mother-in-law's seed yeah. or, or something. <laughs> yeah. Here we go um, again. Okay. Those okay. mother-in-laws. I don't know. I I don't get a know bad it, press. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there, isn't it? Um, certainly, when I was at Kew, that was a red dot plant, which meant that it was endangered in the wild. And yet, it's become a really popular sort of landscaping yeah. in tropical countries and or dry countries, but warmer ones and also as a house plant as a cactus in people's collections so it's survival is more or less insured in that respect isn't it so in a way i think we could end up actually conserving plants through keeping them
1: yeah and jane
2: well i mean i think you touched on sustainability there and that's something that i've been looking at in on the ledge because for me there's lots of awareness now in gardening generally about sustainability but it hasn't translated quite so much into the houseplant realm as it has elsewhere and you know when you start asking questions about peat and about transport and about use of plastics there's a lot of blanks when it comes to houseplants which I've been trying to gradually kind of fill in and find out if you go and look for a, a compost which is branded as House plant compost that's peat free that doesn't really exist, you can't really find that. So, I've been experimenting with various peat free options for house plants, and with quite a lot of success, using just the Silver Grow, which is produced by a company called Melcourt, as a base for different house plant mixes, that seems to work quite well. But I am hoping that some of the peat free compost companies will start looking at coming out with a branded house plant compost because I think a lot of people buying that stuff for their house plants won't really be aware of it unless it unless that option is out there so i think that's something that's really coming to the fore of my mind and there'll be more transparency yeah. so more information about where plants are from how they've been produced what their carbon footprint is just as we are with garden plants i think that would be really great to see that moving forward and i'd also love to see propagation becoming something that people are really starting to get excited about and learning new propagation techniques like air layering which we were talking about just so they can really get to that next level of houseplant ownership that comes after you've you've bought all the lovely plants and and seen them grow.
1: We're out of time now so thank you to both of you for coming to talk house plants. I mean it's been the the best hour of my afternoon in a while. <laughs> I could sit and talk for another couple of hours with you both and as always, you can find links to more information about all the topics discussed on our program page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast, including a link, of course, to the On the Ledge podcast with Jane Perone. And please remember to get in touch and tweet us your passion for houseplants. And finally, if you have time, please do rate and review our podcast. It really helps other people who love plants to find us and share knowledge and their love of gardening. So, thank you very much, ladies. I hope you've had a good afternoon. Happy houseplanting. Thank you very much, Matthew.
0: I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride on mower and bought a top-of-the- range Cress robotic lawn mower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride on sooner. With the cress robotic lawn mower, the lawn is actually looking better.